was praying we'd get back here on time and uh, just finished over at Brother Newberger's this morning, their second anniversary service, and had one visitor and her child and a couple regulars, and so praise the Lord for that. But John chapter 11, John chapter 11, and if you're familiar with your Bible, you'll know that this is the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. And uh, this morning, uh, I don't know that I've ever done this before, but I've threatened to do it for many years, is to preach on the shortest verse in the Bible. And that's John chapter 11 and verse 35. If you've had any problems memorizing Scripture, uh, you shouldn't have a problem with this one. Amen? And uh, let's just read John 11:35. In fact, uh, let's all read it together. Could we do that nice and loud together? Here we go. Jesus wept. That's the whole verse. And we don't often have Jesus weeping uh, in the Bible. Uh, but this is one of those occasions where he did, and as always... It really doesn't matter what Jesus did. It was misunderstood by everybody around him, wasn't it? I mean, Jesus wept. And we, we understand that there, there was a reason for weeping here. We were at the tomb of Lazarus. He'd been in the grave for four days. And yet, I want to challenge you that Jesus, if we'll go back earlier in the chapter... Uh, uh, verse 15 says, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And uh, verse 11, Jesus says he's going to wake Lazarus out of his sleep. And the disciples, of course, misunderstood. They said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he's taking rest. Uh, he's going to get better. <laughs> Excuse me. And... Jesus said, he's not resting, he's dead. And then he said, the verse we, I just read, that let's go unto him. And of course, Thomas, uh, being one of those eager, believing disciples, he said, let's go unto Lazarus, we're all going to die. You know why Thomas said that? Because of late, the Jews had been seeking to kill Jesus and should they go right down there that close to Jerusalem, Thomas was sure that the Jews would have their way and Jesus would soon be slain. But he was willing to die with the Lord Jesus Christ. Till the opportunity actually came, then he was out hiding with the rest of the cowards. And uh, don't think that you would have done anything different. Amen. But here we have Thomas. And he's got it all wrong, and the disciples got it all wrong, and everybody that is there has it all wrong. Jesus was not weeping because he was sad that Lazarus had died. Because he already said that he was going to bring him back to life. Jesus was not feeling what we feel when we attended a funeral. Why, why do we have these things in and I'm not against funerals. They're, they're good things. They help us uh, draw things to a close and, and realize that 
we're not going to have that person with us and to understand the loss and the emptiness that's going to be there, that, that's what the, the days of mourning and a funeral are all about. But Jesus wasn't sad for any of those reasons because he knew in just a few minutes Lazarus was coming out of the ground. And Jesus wept. And I want us to pick up the story here just a little bit. Of course, how many of you are intimately familiar with this story? John chapter 11. Okay, good many hands. How many of you are just not that familiar with the story? Would you be willing to just raise your hand there and say, I don't know this story that well. I saw a few hands up. And so we want to, we want to make sure that we're on the same page. And uh, may I put an advertisement in here for Sunday school time? Uh, that's what our Sunday school time is about. Amen? We go through the Bible one story at a time so that when I preach on a story like this, those of you that have been here, hell, I know this. We've been through this six or seven times if you've been here long enough. Uh, and we're getting ready to go through it again in a couple of weeks. But Mary and Martha had a brother named Lazarus. They sent to Jesus at the beginning of this chapter. And their message was a very simple one. He whom thou lovest is sick. You know, John had a way of writing things so that you knew what was happening. When John referred to himself in the story of, in the, in the text of his uh, gospel, of his relation of the story of Jesus, John never used his own name. He called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. He wanted us, and the Holy Spirit wanted us to know that there was a special relationship there between Jesus and John. It was a good relationship. John was one of those special disciples, and, and he would be used in ways that none of the other disciples were used. In fact, he's the only one of the disciples that beheld the resurrected Christ in his glorified state after his ascension into heaven. None of the other disciples, the Apostle Paul, but he wasn't even saved at that point. He was, John was the only one, and he gave us the book of Revelation. And, and so John was in his way telling us that there was something special here between Jesus and Martha and Mary, and especially Lazarus. And they sent a message, He whom thou lovest is sick, signed Martha and Mary. Now, Jesus didn't have to figure out who that was. Uh, Jesus didn't have to sit down and say, Now, which one of those persons, would, who would Mary and Martha be talking about? I mean, there was a relation. Jesus immediately knew it was Lazarus, and he purposefully stayed where he was until Lazarus was dead and buried. And then he went. And when he got there, it was the fourth day since the burial. And people make a lot about this 
third day and, and things. But I, I would like to challenge you that most of that is a rewrite of history because Jesus came out of the tomb on the third day. And so much of this is reactionary to what Jesus did. And we go back and we try to read into it special things that uh, a person really wasn't considered dead and the tomb really wasn't sealed until the third day. And there may be some truth to those things, but I'll tell you it was much more important after the resurrection of Christ than it was before. That simply the truth was... He was dead, he was buried, and that was the end of it. And when Jesus came, Martha met him. And I love to read the words here. Let's look at verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now, it would almost seem that she didn't answer Jesus' question, wouldn't it? But you have to understand that her proclamation of him as the Messiah was in 100% agreement with Jesus' proclamation of himself that he is the resurrection and life. They were saying the same thing. She was agreeing in totality and she was explaining in her agreement that far more than just being the resurrection and life, we know that you are the Messiah, the very form of God come down in human flesh. That was a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And Martha had already believed that. She was just confirming that and making that public to all that were around her. And so as soon as she said that, she went and she called Mary. Now Mary was sitting in the house. And we get up to where Mary comes and meets Jesus. And look at verse 31. The Jews then then which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, She fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now, I do not circle and mark things in my Bible, because when I do, 
when I read it again than I read my circles and marks. Uh, I put all of those things in my notes uh, that go with my sermons and other things so that if I want to read what I thought about that passage before, I can read my notes. But when I read the Bible, I want the Holy Spirit to bring out things. But I can't read this passage without seeing that period there at the end of Mary's statement looking about this big. Uh, taking up about half the page. Martha said, I know even now. Mary said, period. Both of them said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And that was a very true statement. In fact, Jesus had already told his disciples, that's why I'm not going. Because I want Lazarus to die. I want Mary and Martha to suffer these things because I'm going to use this in a way that nobody can even begin to comprehend. He said, I'm going to use this suffering to make people believe in me. You know, you have to understand, sometimes God has a different reason for doing what he's doing than you're thinking about. Aren't you glad about that? Met a guy out in the street the other day. We were going back and forth for quite a little bit. and Finally, he came around to one of the talking points of the world. And I, I don't believe in anything I can't understand. I said, how small would God have to be for you to understand him? He didn't even get the insult that is in there. But, I mean, it's, it's in there on purpose. How small would God have to be for you to understand Him? How smart do you think you are? You see, that's what faith is all about, isn't it? And Mary is there at His feet weeping. And all of these uh, religious leaders, because this was a prominent family. A strange family, I, I must admit. I mean, normally, uh, especially in this day, young women got married and had their own families, but apparently we have Lazarus and, and uh, for lack of a better term, two spinster sisters. Uh, we don't know their entire age, but they were not married. They did not have their own families. They they, they were their own family, just a brother and two sisters. This was quite unusual. Apparently, they were fairly well-to-do. They knew them in Jerusalem. And the chiefs of the priests and the Pharisees had come to comfort them. And, and we've been through this before, understanding your Bible in a cultural setting. The way that you comforted people at the funeral is you screamed the loudest. Now, aren't you glad we don't have that custom in America? But if you really wanted somebody to feel good about you caring, you just, you, you, I mean, you made the biggest blubber and slung snot all over the front of the auditorium and weeped and wailed and they said, oh, they loved my brother who's departed. That makes me feel better. And that's what these were doing. So here we have Mary weeping at the feet of Jesus. 
And all of the Jews that are there, they take the cue from Mary. She's weeping. If we're going to comfort her, we better get louder than she is. And so they start up a course. And then Jesus weeps. That's our verse. Now, we've already been through the story enough to know Jesus wasn't weeping because of his loss and the emptiness that was in his soul because Lazarus wasn't there anymore. Can I challenge you the first reason Jesus was weeping was because of the unbelief of those that professed belief. In Jesus. Could I challenge you with that this morning? That the reason Jesus was weeping was because Mary was the one that sat at his feet. She was the one that took that good part. And yet this circumstance of life had knocked her flat. And she couldn't trust God with what was happening to her right now. Now, I dare say that most of us in this room would not say, That's me! But can I challenge you to look at your life? Has something just gotten into your life that you think is too big for God to handle? Or that you just believe that God isn't handling it? That this thing is going on and there is no recourse for you. There is no solution to this problem. That's where Mary was. There was no solution. Lazarus was dead. His body was decaying. It was over. Jesus was late. And nothing could be done. And Jesus was weeping because there is no more troubling place. A Christian can find themselves than where Mary was at this time. Could you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ that his weeping was for the pain that was in Mary's heart because she didn't have enough faith to trust him? I mean, say, yes, preacher, I, I believe that. Now, I need to ask a tough question. How many of us in this room have put Jesus in the same place? Have allowed some circumstance? Maybe a whole set of circumstances. Some person. Some political events. Some fill in the blank, please. 
to bring you to a point to where you don't believe that Jesus is going to solve your problem. You know, Mary was forced to make a choice between one of two perceptions of reality. She either had to choose that God is good and no matter what happens to me, He is doing something that I can't understand and I'm going to trust Him and continue in that love relationship because I know that God is bigger than the dead body of my brother laying right here in this, in this tomb. Or... That God could have done something to make my life better than it is today. And He didn't do it. You know, I often tell people when, when praying for some huge thing. It's not. It's never been a question of whether God can do it or not. Because God can do anything. Can He not? The question is, will He do it? Isn't that true? And we have in our minds and in our hearts this little bit of reservation that maybe God isn't really as caring as He said He is because if He were, my life would be a little different than it is today. And that's what made Jesus weep. One of the reasons. Because Mary had faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, this tragedy right here is going to be used of God in Mary's life so that when we get to chapter 12, Mary is going to perform the single greatest act of worship toward Jesus Christ recorded in Scripture. But do you realize that Mary had to go through these dark waters to get to the point to where she understood that Jesus was worthy of everything. And I want us to think this morning. This is a worship service. If we're going to worship Him, we've got to understand that God is always That is the essence of faith. For without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God is, and God is good, and God is never anything but good because He cannot be anything but good. 
If he were anything but good, he would cease to be God. That's what the Scripture teaches. We know that. And before someone takes too harsh a view of Mary in this story, I want to challenge you that your beloved brother was not four days, is not four days old in a tomb that you're looking at right now. Can we make that assertion this morning? But we need to understand that Jesus was weeping not because of his loss, but because of the pain and suffering that was going on in the heart of this one because she refused to believe that he is still good. You know, that's something we've got to get hold of. I believe that Jesus was also weeping because, and this is just my opinion, but I believe Jesus was weeping because he knew Lazarus was going to have to come back. Do you realize that Lazarus was one of the only people in the whole Bible that died and went to heaven for any period of time. The widow woman's son at Nain, he had just been dead a few hours. The little girl, Jarius' daughter, was just a few moments. And I believe in parallel truths in the Bible. You see, Abraham was God's friend, was he not? And Abraham took him up to a mountain and he told Abraham to offer his son Isaac on that mountain. By the way, it's the same mountain Jesus was going to suffer on. And in just a little bit, just before he plunged that knife and, and brought death to his son so that He could fulfill the uh, sacrifice. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that Abraham in his heart believed that God would raise his son back up from the ashes of the fire. Read Hebrews chapter 11. He didn't believe God was going to give him another son because God said, And Isaac shall thy seed be called. He believed that if God wanted Isaac burned to ashes, that God would raise his body back out of those ashes. But God took him to the very brink and brought him back. And you know what Abraham's testimony was? In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. God took Abraham through that time so that Abraham could see just a little bit about what his friend, God, was going to do. That's what real friends do, isn't it? They share their heart. Lazarus got to understand just a little bit of what it meant for Jesus to leave heaven's glory 
and come and walk on this earth. Jesus wept in anguish in the garden as he, the spotless Lamb of God, would have the wrath of Almighty God for every sin that had ever been committed poured upon him, laid upon his shoulders as he hung on the cross. And the Bible said that the anguish of his soul, he sweat as it were great drops of blood in Luke's account. I can't help but think as I just go through different passages of the Bible that there was just a little bit of in Jesus' own heart of the glories of heaven and these people who won't even believe who I am. And Lazarus is there. He's got to come back. Am I going too far afield in sanctified imagination? I don't think so this morning. We weep because of sorrow in our heart. Jesus had done all of these things. And there was one man that got to taste just a little bit of it. You know, I I wonder. I know that Jesus determined as He wrapped Himself in the seed of a woman. Spent 30 years before He preached His first public sermon. You stop and think about all that. He whose power had made the heavens and the earth and had meted out the universe and didn't even begin to tax the least bit of his power had to learn how to walk and had to learn how to talk. And he knew what was coming before him yet. Only Lazarus, a man that is spoken of as one of Jesus' friends in the Bible, not one of his disciples, one of his friends, he got to understand a little bit of that. And Jesus wept. But there was one other reason Jesus wept. You see, Jesus knew at the very moment that he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus' body would be just carried up. They tell us there's 32 steps that go down into that tomb where he was buried. Lazarus was bound hand and foot. He was wrapped up like a mummy. That was the the traditional means of Jewish burial. There was Lazarus' body weight, the weight of the bandages, and also the weight of the spices. They tell us that there was a hundred pounds of spices that was wrapped in Jesus' uh, uh, burial. That there, there would have probably been at least half of that in Lazarus's. 
So, I mean, you're talking about if he were a 100 or 200 pound man, you're talking about an entire mummy that's probably approaching 275, 300 pounds with everything all wrapped up like that. And Jesus says, loose him, let him go. Jesus knew at that moment there would be men standing there watching this happen and choose hell forever rather than believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That this event would seal their eternity. That they would come to that line that is invisible to all of us today of the end of God's mercy. What did the Bible say? The psalmist, for his mercy endureth forever, doesn't it? But I'm here to tell you that there comes a point in every life that ends up in hell, that will end up in hell, where you step over the line of God's mercy. I used to have a man that called me up, young man, he'd say, Pastor, I know we've been over this again, but can you, can you, can you, can you help me understand the unpardonable sin? I think I did it again. And I was going, oh no, here we go. I said, do you have any desire to know about Christ? Oh, I want to, but the things I say and the things I do, I said, wait a minute. I want you to understand something. If you committed the unpardonable sin, there is no more understanding of God. There is no concern in your heart. You're not standing there going, oh, I wish I hadn't have said that. God forgives sin. Amen? He's in the sin-forgiving business. That's why Jesus died on the cross. And God is so patient, He allows us to reject Him over and over again sometimes. I don't know why some people hear the gospel a thousand times, and as far as we understand, some people have never heard it once. I I can't explain that. But I do know what the Bible says about God. And I want to challenge you that there will come a point in your life, if you're here today and you're not saved, there will come a point in your life where you just won't care anymore. Where it wouldn't matter if Jesus Christ himself walked down the aisle. Because you've gone beyond the mercy of God. See, that's what these certain... Look what it says here. Let's just read it. Verse 46, But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priest. And the Pharisees a council and said, What do we for this man doeth many miracles? If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Do you get what they're saying here? 
He said, if we let this guy alone, if we don't stop him, everybody's going to believe in Jesus. Now, for you to say that that's a bad thing, what has to already have happened in your heart? Hello? I mean, we have people in our society today that if we were to get if we were to ask them to have an honest testimony they would believe that what is going on in this church service is the most evil deprived thing going on in the world today you know what you're not going to win those people to the lord you're not going to answer their questions you're not going to stem their hatred Because they've gone so far, they're never coming back. In fact, you read the end of this, they from this day took counsel to put him to death. Do you not think that this was a source of sorrow for the Savior? That Jesus would not weep for the souls of those men that were condemned forever. Because he knew that this one event would take many who were on the line and bring them into faith in Jesus Christ. Mary, the disciples, those that believed on him and yet in their mind and in their heart they were still questioning his goodness and his grace because he didn't show up to save Lazarus' life. Jesus knew that bringing him out of the tomb would shake them to their very core and they would understand that Jesus was in charge no matter what. But their unbelief still brought sorrow to his heart because it always does. But there would be those that would use this time, this event... Arguably the greatest display of the power of God in the ministry of Jesus Christ, other than his own resurrection, was that of Lazarus's. And Lazarus' resurrection was not a private thing like Jesus was. It was public. Everybody that was anybody was there to comfort Mary and Martha. And they saw that body come out of the ground, all on its own. It was a cave. They tell us it was dug into the earth and down under the ground. And there was a stone that would have been rolled over there. And Jesus told Martha to ask the servants to roll the stone back. And Martha's first thought was, Lord, do you know what's going to happen when we roll back that stone? I don't know if any of you have ever smelled that smell, but it's one you'll never forget. It's the most sickening smell that it's haunting. And let me tell you, when they rolled the stone back, the smell of death came out of that tomb. Because Lazarus was dead. You know, Jesus touched many things. That were unclean, but he never touched Lazarus' bandages, the wrappings. 
because they couldn't be made clean. Jesus told others to unwrap it. Now, we're here today to worship this Jesus. Can we say amen to that? And I just want us to ask the question. Do you? Do I? Give cause for our Savior to weep. If you're here today and you're saved, I want to challenge you. You can't be part of number three. Amen? Can you say amen to that? Do you believe that? Are you glad that you can't lose your salvation once you have it? Amen? But is there something in your life that maybe you're accusing the Savior of not caring enough about or not dealing with? Let me tell you, there's nothing. I mean, there's some things right now I'm dealing with. I have no idea what the answer is. I wish I did. But Jesus hadn't given me the answer yet. So what am I going to keep doing? I'm going to keep believing that he's good. And I'm going to keep believing that this unsolvable problem is there because he wants to do something. And I'm going to trust his character instead of my understanding. Because I don't want Jesus to weep. Because I don't trust him. He did here. Do you think it's stretching it too far to say that he would be grieved? I mean, the Holy Spirit is grieved with our behavior, is he not? Wouldn't it be wonderful? If we could get to where Lazarus was, to where we could taste just a little bit of what our Savior went through to the point that he would wish that we didn't have to, whatever, I mean, he wished Lazarus didn't have to come back. But Lazarus did in order to fulfill all the things that Jesus was doing. Wouldn't it be wonderful to get close enough to God to touch the very things that He's trying to do? To be that catalyst for somebody like Mary to perform that incredible act of worship? That's what Lazarus' resurrection was. Are we still together this morning? We're going to be done quick. If you're here today and you have yet to settle the issue of salvation in your soul, could I challenge you 
But there'll come a time, if you ignore it long enough, that it won't matter anymore. And that you don't want to get there. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Seek the Lord while he may be what? Found. You don't have tomorrow. But you have these few moments that we have right here. Shortest verse in all the Bible. How many of you thought you'd memorize a verse of the Bible when you came to church today? Many of us already know that verse. Jesus wept. He didn't weep for the same reasons we would weep. But what did he tell the servants in the parable of the pounds and the talents? He said, Thou hast been faithful in a little. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That's where he wants us to live. And that's what he wants to receive from the lives that we live for him. And all God's people say. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to come before, come here today. The Lord, the Holy Spirit would have freedom to reach down into the depths of our souls and to touch that which needs to be touched, Lord. Lord, one of the greatest hindrances to the gospel going forward is little pockets of unbelief in the lives of those that know you as their Savior. Lord, we ask that you would work right now in these next few moments, to open our spiritual eyes that we could see truly and honestly where we are in reference to who you are. And Lord, that we would have the humility and yet the boldness to leave our seats and come up here and get on our knees at an old-fashioned altar and confess those sins and ask God to give us a better understanding of who you are. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand just a little bit more of who you are and what you've done for us. And Lord, I pray for those that would be sitting right here in this room this morning. Maybe standing on the edge of the precipice of God's mercy. That Lord, they would turn and come back to you. Lord, that they would surrender their souls. Everything they are. 
they would simply trust you as their Savior. Lord, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we pray that our church would not give you cause for weeping. Lord, this can only be done through your Spirit active in our hearts and souls. We ask that you do this in your precious name. Amen. Let's stand.